With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Ruthie today. Enjoy your HN Podcast, Miller and Day's Big Ten Edition, Week 10 Recap from what we saw this weekend. Steve and I spent about 45 minutes discussing Iowa against Ohio State, which was obviously a game that sent big uh, river waves through the conference and knocking Ohio State, wouldn't say out of the playoff, but certainly giving them no more margin for error and they may need help. Another game, Steve, Penn State and Michigan State, a game that was delayed three-plus hours because of weather. Michigan State winds up winning that game 27-24. to Don't look now, but Michigan State um, you know, controls their own destiny for the uh, Big Ten championship game or to get to it. I think they play against was Ohio State this weekend. Um, your thoughts on that game? Really, I'm not sure what's more stunning. What happened to Sparty last year? Or what's happening to them this year? They are just both nothing anybody would have predicted heading into the season. Nothing. And it's an amazing turnaround. And a lot of it is being done with mirrors. Um, Felton Davis. Young team on defense, too. Yeah, yeah. Felton Davis, they're good on defense. But, you know, there's, there's no one. You got a double team. There's no shutdown corner. They're just really solid. You know, they, they're really good in their techniques. But there's no Percy Snow in the middle, man. There's no, you know, Shalit uh, Calhoun coming off the edge. They don't have anything like that, you know. Um, there's no Darquez Den- Denard, shutdown corner, Trey William, Trey Waynes. I mean, they don't, they don't have anybody like that. They're, those guys just ball out. But I don't see even anybody developing into anything like that. Now, offensively. The young receivers they have there um, in Hunter Ryzen and especially the other one, Felton Davis, they are that's they they are they are going to be a I mean they're weapons already, but they are going to be forces to be reckoned with in in the coming years in the Big Ten Conference, and the work he's got just enough mobility to to frustrate you. And now he's starting to throw the ball better from the pocket. I'm actually higher on them offensively in the future than defensively. Defensively, I don't think their overall talent's that great. Offensively, I think talent-wise, in terms of playmakers, um, I think they're going to be really good down the line, and they're pretty good right now. Um, But what's really going on here is everything that went wrong last year from a chemistry and a leadership standpoint for them is going right this year. It's like the universe is writing itself. And so the truth in their, pro- their of where their program truly is is probably somewhere in the middle. They, they probably were never as bad as their record was last year. 
and they're probably not as good as their record's going to end up being this year. And it, it, the, and, and you know, the pendulum is kind of you're, you're seeing an equilibrium happen. But what's really happening is they control their own destiny now in the Big Ten. I mean, if they win on Saturday at Ohio State, then for all intents and purposes, the East Division race is over at that moment. So, and they're in the Big Ten championship game. So, I mean, if Brian Kelly's not National Coach of the Year, Mark D'Antonio is. Uh, he's certainly going to be Big Ten coach, of the, Big Ten coach of the year. And you know, I'm not a fan of the guy's act or his shtick, but um, it is what it is, and the record speaks for itself. And his record's outstanding. And what they're doing this season is every, is every bit as unforeseen as the way Iowa beat Ohio State that we already spent 45 minutes this week breaking down. So, congrats to them. Um, I think it also means I I, I think it's at least 70 percent. No Big Ten team will be in the playoff. I, and that includes if Wisconsin runs the table. I, I think we all need to take our old paradigms. I think everybody still looks at these rankings like the old rankings. If you lose, you go down. If you win, you go up. If you're undefeated, you get a certain, you know, that matters more. I don't think any of that matters anymore at all. And, you know, Wisconsin got a lift from Iowa beating Ohio State. I think Iowa will be in the top 25 of the playoff rankings when they come out tonight. Uh, and then um, I think there's a oh, there's a 50. I think Iowa will definitely be in the top 25. I think there's a 50-50 chance Michigan will be when they play them, because if if they're not in it this week, then they'll be in it after they beat Maryland next week and be eight and two. So I, that could give Wisconsin a chance at back-to-back wins against top 25 teams. But they're looking at a minimum two-loss team coming out of the East. So, I, I mean, when you look at what, what their end-of-season resume is, if they're undefeated, and, and let's just say, let's say Notre Dame wins out. Um, let, let's take two teams that don't win a conference. Notre Dame wins out, and the Georgia-Alabama loser, that's their only loss, and that game is a touchdown or less. Tell me why those one-loss teams have worse resumes than Wisconsin with an undefeated record. Tell well, me why. I, I can't, but I'm just saying. I mean, I'm going to quote my friend Steve Dace here um, in 2015 when he said, "No Big Ten team that goes 13 and 0 will ever miss the playoff. Don't even worry about it." Yeah, I've said other things too that were really smart, <laughs> and then I've said other things that weren't. Okay, and. I never envisioned a Big Ten team would go thirteen and zero, could or could go thirteen and zero in a league where you have these coaches. You could go thirteen and zero and having and have no wins over a team that finished the season, the regular season, in the top ten or the top fifteen, for that matter. I mean, if they play, if they play Penn State, Michigan State. Michigan, I guess, is technically back alive after, with, with the games that happened on Saturday. So whichever two-loss team they play coming and, – and it's not a guarantee they're going to play a two-loss team. I mean, Ohio State could lose again. Ohio, if Ohio State wins on Saturday against Michigan State and loses to Michigan, and they're 6-2 and two and 9-3, and three, they're in the Big Ten championship game mm-hmm. because, because they beat – they beat Ohio. They beat Penn State and they beat Michigan State. And even if even if Michigan wins out and they're also six and two, then since they lost to Penn State and Michigan State, overall record and top twenty fives comes in. So 
they're likely back in the they're, – they're, they're, my point is whoever comes out of the East, if Wisconsin beats them, is probably not going to be in the top 15 of the final playoff rankings, John, the next day. Right. They're going to have a minimum of three losses. Right. So, I, I mean, I could have never envisioned you could go 13-0 and in a league where Mark D'Antonio, Jim Harbaugh, James Franklin, Urban Meyer, and Kirk Ferentz coach – and you could go 13 and 0 and not play again not have a win against a team in the top 15 who would have ever predicted that was possible right right and i don't think i think that's that could very well be the case for wisconsin well we already talked about wisconsin indiana in the uh, iowa podcast so can that, i say one more thing about that real quick yeah sure if you're a big 10 shill let me tell you what you don't want here is what you don't want you are better off having wisconsin go 13 and 0 and not get in but having them go 13 and 0, get a number four seed, go out to that Rose Bowl, and just get freaking boat housed by Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a terrible offseason narrative. You don't want, okay? You do not want that narrative. You just don't. You don't want the narrative of a team wins your league with no top 15 wins and gets in the playoffs only because they're in the Big Ten and they went undefeated, and then they go out to the Rose Bowl or Sugar Bowl. And Alabama does to them what they did to Sparty two years ago. You don't want we, that's that narrative for nine months is not worth three and getting a playoff berth for three and a half hours for the Big Ten, if you ask me. Uh, Wisconsin's favored by thirteen and a half over Iowa on opening the line. What do you think of that? I I, I think that's I, I I would tend to think that's way too many points, but I think the situation heavily favors Wisconsin. Because it's a letdown spot for Iowa. Wisconsin has needed a game that matters. I told you three weeks ago on the podcast, I was really worried about them against this schedule going from playing nobody to, all right, here's your one-game season against Michigan at the end of November. I, I think I think whatever Wisconsin's best shot is, and it may not be that good because they haven't played anybody and they haven't looked impressive most of the time doing so. But whatever Wisconsin's best shot is, Iowa will get it on Saturday. Because if you're any kind of competitor, and you know that Wisconsin, that's the way they develop their program, they have, they have, they are, they have got to be dying to play somebody that matters. They're going to be the lowest-ranked undefeated team out of the Big Ten this late in the season in recent memory. You've got to think they're looking to make a statement. So I think Iowa's getting their best shot on Saturday. I just don't know if it's enough or not. I don't know what it is. Their best shot may be they win 24-17. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess a letdown spot, but it's, I mean, I don't know. It's not like Iowa has been cruising and they got a big win and now, uh, okay, come back to earth. They're just getting off the earth right now, really, for their season. Uh, and and maybe it is hard for a, a Wisconsin team that we don't have a great deal of respect for at least this year, given what they played, to all of a sudden flip the switch and get up and play a different type of intensity. We'll see. Right. We'll see in about five days. Be a lot of uh, a lot of fun. Now the uh, disadvantage that Wisconsin has is they're, they're it's the same style that Iowa plays too. So um, it's it's hard unless you are physically just more clearly superior physically unless one team just has a turnover problem when when you're the same exact mirror image of one another unless one team is just physically better and in most of these years wisconsin has been physically better uh it is hard 
to 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 beat a team of your mirror image by that wide of a margin unless you're just physically better. But that line also tells me Vegas does not necessarily respect what Iowa did to Ohio State, believes it's an outlier. Sure. And they're begging you to take the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's what that line tells me. Yep, I don't disagree with that. Um, Northwestern, 31, Nebraska, 24, as you mentioned in our Iowa podcast. This is Northwestern's the first team in the history of FBS to win three consecutive overtime games. When they start playing overtime, somewhere in the 90s? Yeah. I don't remember the exact yeah. year. But yeah. So... Um, I will just say this. You tweeted something snarky out congratulating Nebraska fans. I can't recall <laughs> what it was. Dodged a bullet. Yes. There you go. Dodged a bullet. You almost won the game. Um, I saw this from somebody named Matt Smith. I don't know who he is. Hopefully he's right. Nebraska's lost four home games in the past eight weeks. Nebraska lost three home games in the decade of the 90s. Wow. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Um, Riley's. I mean, I I can't really envision that he would come back. Um, Clay Travis from Outkick the Coverage. I'm not saying he's has all the right answers. He had an article this weekend I read where he makes predictions for some of the top jobs. He's got Scott Frost to Florida, um, Dan Mullen to Tennessee, and Mike Leach to Nebraska. I don't know. It's really hard for me to envision Mike Leach at Nebraska. And if they did that, he's about as far away from what Nebraska football's identity used to be as you can possibly get. Do mm-hmm. you do you do you think that's possible? I I don't. Here's what I think. I think if they don't get Scott Frost, then I don't know what Plan B is. And I think it's very similar to Michigan and Harbaugh a couple of years ago. If, if, if they don't get, you know, we had those conversations two years ago or three years ago. What's plan B? Well, there isn't a plan B. We have to get them. There's no option. Failure is not an option. But in this case, you have a younger coach who hasn't established himself yet, really, outside of your school, the way Harbaugh had it, it, it as an NFL coach and a Stanford coach. So if Harbaugh goes to Michigan and it doesn't work, people aren't going to say Harbaugh can't coach. They're going to say Michigan's just broken, and this proves it. And it does, it does nothing to Harbaugh's brand. Um, Frost is 15 years younger than Harbaugh. He's not nearly as established. And I think there's far more pressure on him, given this that situation, throw in uh, an outsider AD who's pushing 70 years old. And if they don't get him, I don't know what they do. I, I don't. I, I think I think it's I think Leach is I think a lot of things are possible. I think Leach is possible. I I'm not likely, but more but possible. I think they get into an incredibly desperate situation. I, I don't I, I if I'm a Nebraska fan, I just don't even want to contemplate what life is like if Scott Frost says no uh, and goes someplace else, what that means about our place in the universe and, and everything else, I, I, I think I think that's a real low point. And I think the I think the problem with bringing Leach in, who's a fantastic coach, by the way, fantastic coach. And when you look at Texas Tech and, and Washington State's histories 
and you're going to find, you know, aren't there's not too many guys in the history of college football that's been able to win nine or more games at Texas Tech and Washington State. Okay, he's done it. I think he's I think he's a great coach, but but the problem is one is persona. The media and Lincoln, you know, Lincoln's not any bigger than Lubbock or or Pullman, but the media presence there is like a major market, and it's not in Lubbock and Pullman. And so every crazy, you know. Stunt, and they're also keepers of the flame. <laughs> indeed, and he's an outsider, okay? So all of that gets blown up. The other thing, too, is I think the only coach they could hire that could get away with not returning Nebraska to its previous offensive brand is Frost. Mm-hmm. He's more of a spread coach. But, you know, we played them last year, and um, when he brought his team to Michigan, he bragged about how physical they were, and physically we kicked Michigan's ass. He said that in the post game. So even though he's a spread guy, he does still have that, you know, Nebraska ornery in him. And I, I think – their fan base believes they've departed so much from their brand. Bringing in a guy to run the air raid, I, I just... That's why I them, can't I, see it. I, I think it's Scott Frost or shut the program down. I think they have to hire him. They have to. Now, I don't, I'm not confident they're going to be able to get him. But, you know, if I'm Scott Frost, if I'm Nebraska, here's what I hope happens. If I'm Nebraska, I hope that Florida decides it cannot wait until Central Florida season ends. Because Florida season's going to be over pretty quickly here. <laughs> it looks like it looks like their players have quit, essentially. Go out, um, and I think if you're Nebraska, you hope, you hope Florida decides they need to bring in Chip Kelly. Because if I'm Nebraska, I think – while Tennessee is a better job than Nebraska right now, I think I can beat Tennessee for Scott Frost services. I don't think I can beat Florida. So if I'm Nebraska, I have to hope I'm hoping right now that Florida has its eyes on chip Kelly. um, So that that gives us a cleaner shot at Scott Frost. Yep. The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin, the flag guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you? Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags? Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers? Whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams' flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere. Guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping. Um, One of the keepers of the Nebraska Flames, Stephen M. Sipple from the uh, Lincoln newspaper, tweeted this out uh, (laughs) Saturday. Why can Iowa push Ohio State to this extent while Nebraska essentially failed to show up to play the Buckeyes. If you recall, Ohio State scored touchdowns on their first eight possessions of right. that game. Yeah. Um, 
and you combine that with the insane Bob Diaco interview after that game. Yeah, that I, was that I, I is horrible. That was, man. That, was that was some Easter eggs. That was shooting some Easter eggs right there, brother. It makes that was, no sense. That was crazy. Uh, and he's, he's, he's looking at it. He's looking at everybody like, don't you see what I'm saying? I mean, it's simple. That's why I don't see bringing in a guy who wants to talk about Blackbeard, um, you know. Oh, yeah. Alien, alien probes. He's the best. He's the best interview there is. We're going to run a, a, an air raid. And if we go three and out, I'm going to make my guys do up downs on the sidelines. I don't I don't see that, man. I just I don't. But I think if they don't get Scott Frost I, I think, you know they're kind of at that uh biological clock is ticking and you're the last man on earth kind of stage at that point. I, I think it's Scott Frost or freaking bust, man. I th- that's why their AD's talking about him publicly. Oh sure. I think I think they're in some form of genuflection groupie mode. Like, I mean, Scott Frost, man, ask for a harem, ask for, a, you know, a temple, uh, you know, and a palace, you know, I, I, they have to hire him. He, they have to be able to get yeah. him. Ask for an eight-year guaranteed contract and you'll get yeah. it. Yeah, I agree. Ask for anything you want, man, anything. You want Tom Osborne's endorsement when you run for governor, anything you want, ask for it. Michigan beat Minnesota thirty-three to ten. Um, once again, a uh, a player that Jim Harbaugh poached from Iowa on signing day, Karan Higdon, with his second two hundred yard game this year. They got a running game now. Yeah, you know the list of here are the list of Michigan players that have ever had multiple two hundred yard rushing games in a season. Stop me if you've ever heard of any of these guys: Tyrone Wheatley, Mike Hart, Denard Robinson, Butch Wolfolk, Ron Johnson, and. Uh, now you add Karan Higdon. Butch and John Wolfolk Ball. and Ron Johnson, they had to be like old school dudes, right? Yeah. Butch yeah. Wolfolk was in the 70s. Ron Johnson from the uh, – Ron Johnson had the Big Ten single game rushing mark for many years till Ron – I'm sorry. Him. Ron Johnson sounds like dude's uh, actor from some seedy place in California. Nice. Nice. But um, Michigan almost had two guys rush for 200 yards for the first time in school history. They've got a running game now to go with that defense. So we're getting there. Um, that's a rebuilding now, year. It, 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 it's just that's that's right. It's it's the Michigan version of a rebuilding year, which means eight and four, nine and three. You'll that's take it. it and if that's our rebuilding years now, you bet I'll take that. See, Harbaugh, Harbaugh's brought it back. That's the old Michigan rebuilding year. That is the old Michigan rebuilding year. In fact, I looked it up today. His winning percentage at Michigan is 778. That is a full 20 points higher than Michigan's composite winning percentage was the decade before we hired him. So all you people saying he's overrated and everything else, you're fools. And <laughs> a, a lot of this is people have decided that if I don't like we I see this in political journalism. If I if if I don't like your politics, then whether I work for Fox or MSNBC or CNN, I don't have to I don't have to report or opine fairly now. I can just make stuff up. If I don't like you, if I don't like Trump, I can just lie about him. If I don't, if I don't like, you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi or Charles Schumer, I can just lie about them. And and I just find the whole, I find that heinous. And I think we're seeing that with Michigan. You know, the whole thing about people ragging on him about what he said about produced facilities. 
I sent you that article that Wilton Spates parents. Mm-hmm. I'm, well, he was only the Purdue reporter saying, well, the medical facilities are only a few blocks away, a few blocks away in a sold out stadium without without any kind of uh, police escort to get out of there. OK, that story about the way Spates family and him were treated when he's got a freaking spinal injury. Heinous, absolutely heinous. And you had Tom Dean Hart and Tim Brando, who apologized on the air side tonight, by the way ragging about it i don't care listen i if i don't care that you think harbaugh gets too much attention in april and may it doesn't mean that you become a freaking hack when he brings up legitimate points and we're seeing way too much of this in media now if i don't like the person i'm covering it means i don't even have to be i don't even have to pretend to be objective anymore and i'm just it's just pathetic with and and the stupid memes about brady hoke and everything else it's not you know me well enough to know if this was bad, would I say so? Mm-hmm. If this was not what I, we thought we were getting, would I say so? Yeah. Well, we're, we, our winning percentage is 20 points higher than it was the decade before he arrived. We've been ranked in the top 10 19 times when we'd only been ranked in the top 10 17 times the decade before he arrived. Now, am I sick to death of losing to Ohio State more than you can possibly freaking imagine? Which is why I honestly didn't get as much enjoyment out of Iowa beating Ohio State as I thought. Because, frankly, I found myself jealous. I wasn't enjoying it as much as I thought. I was actually very jealous. Watching Sparty march to a potential Big Ten title makes me want to throw up in my freaking mouth. Okay? But those are issues that predate his arrival. He's done a wonderful job here. We should not have lost three games by five points at the end of last year. But if anything, that dude is underpaid. I don't really want to talk about Purdue, Illinois much. Purdue won 29-10. Biggest news out of there is David Blather, quarterback, had a uh, an ankle injury. I mean, he he's done for the year. Yeah, and you had Jeff Brom, the coach, say that he thought that was significant. So, But I, you kind of get the sense they've wanted to go to Sindelar for, for a while now anyway, and now they have their excuse to do it. Um, Rutgers beat Maryland. Don't look now. Rutgers have won, has won three Big Ten games in a row. You know, I can make a case, if not for what D'Antonio's done, that Chris Ash is Big Ten Coach of the Year. Things like that won't happen, but whenever, but I agree with you. But th- things like that hardly ever happen, that the right guy gets it, you know, or, or, or an, an off-the-page guy, a page-two guy like that gets it. But because people don't take into account – the place, the location, the challenge of the job, it's its just right. kind of a beauty contest. You know what I think really helped them was hiring Jerry Kill. Because their offense, it's not, it's competent now. And it's competent in that it's just not a constant three and out. Defense constantly on the field and it's 28 nothing before they ever get started. It, it's, they can compete with you now. And that gives them chances to win games against the lower tier of the league that they didn't even have a chance at last year. And I give Chris Ash a lot of credit for making that higher. Uh, see any other games. I think we've kind of touched on them all from the big 10 nationally. I don't know about you, but you know, Oklahoma beats Oklahoma state 62 to 52. I just find that incredibly boring. I mean, and maybe not boring is the right word. It just doesn't feel like real football to me. It feels like arena football, and I'm just not interested in that. I think you're right. 
Um, but what I'm going to be fascinated by is if Oklahoma wins out. And, you know, we talked about Iowa State, and, and this would be the week we'd find out if they were Northwestern 95, and they darn near came back and won that game. But they still actually control their own destiny if West Virginia loses one more game. If West Virginia loses one more game and Iowa State wins out, Iowa State's in the Big 12 championship game because they own the tiebreaker over TCU and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma in that situation. So what I think would be very interesting, though, along the lines of what you're talking about, is if Oklahoma and Clemson went out and one of those teams stays home and Clemson's got the big non-conference wins against South Carolina – and um, Ohio State, or I'm sorry, uh, Auburn. And South Carolina's probably going to end up about a 7-5, and 8-14. and 14. Auburn's going to end up probably 8-4, and 9-3. Um, Oklahoma will have the big non-conference win against Ohio State. Is the way that the, the Oklahoma plays defense, does that come into the conversation? They brought up style of play. I remember t- 2015. Um <laughs> I can't remember if it was the week that we thought Iowa was slighted. Yeah. Uh, or if it was the following week or if it was both. But I think they brought up something about style of play, and they were talking about Iowa and Oklahoma. And I think it did come down to the next week to where they said, you know, Iowa just plays more defense. So I, I know that those conversations have taken place before. You know, there was – we talked on Friday in our podcast on Friday, and I mentioned – Oklahoma State just never beats Oklahoma when it matters to both teams. And you saw the end of that game, I thought, kind of encapsulized what I meant by that. When Oklahoma Oklahoma State has the ball in plus territory, less than a minute to go with a chance to win the game. It's fourth down, and Mason Rudolph has a receiver open by at least a yard, and he overthrows him by five yards. Mm-hmm. And as good as Mason Rudolph is, I think you and I both know Baker Mayfield's not overthrowing that guy in that situation. Right. And that and that's why I said, hey, if it's a one game situation and you're and as good as Mason Rudolph is, you're asking me, am I gonna go with Mason Rudolph or Baker Mayfield? I'm going with Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield right now is clear uh, is clear away and far away favorite for the Heisman. In fact, I'm not. You know, I, I I heard an interview this afternoon before you and I taped this with Tom Deanhart of Big Ten Network, and he said he thought Saquon Barkley's Heisman hopes were toast. But I, I I'm having a hard time coming up with three guys on that list. So I don't think Barkley's done. I don't think he's the favorite anymore. I think Baker Mayfield is far and away the favorite right now. Hmm. Um, Alabama beat LSU. Notre Dame beat. One more thing. Hold on. Just let me pause for a second. I just thought of this. Sorry to interrupt, but. That's that's actually where Oklahoma's style of play may help them. Because if you're sitting in that committee room and you've got to ask yourself, let's say Alabama wins out, and I'm not convinced they will. They had more big injuries on the, on the defensive side of the football. But let's if you're the committee and it's a semifinal, ask yourself this. What game has more interest right now? The Heisman Trophy winner versus Alabama – were Clemson, Alabama, three. And I'm not sure what the answer to that is, but I bet you that's a conversation that's had. 
LSU loses to Alabama. Notre Dame beats Wake Forest. Clemson beats NC State in the road. Any other thing you want to talk about from this week that we haven't touched on yet? Incredible week of college football. Tied an all-time record with seven matchups against with teams ranked playing each other. This week we've got three games where top ten teams are playing each other. Hmm. So, you know, we had some of those weeks early in the year when you and I were kind of like, eh. But all these leagues now backloading their schedules, trying to get as many guys, many teams as highly ranked as possible before the playoff rankings start. As much as it makes some of the the early season schedule kind of dull, dude, it makes November insane. I mean, November is like a playoff week every single week. And we have that again coming up on this week. So I think that um, the Big Ten – is in mortal danger, if not on the endangered species list, as far as the playoff is concerned. I think the Pac-12 is there, too. I think Washington's the only team that has a chance. But they, again, won't have any good non-conference wins. You know, so uh, I think I think, I think think really the mystery is, unless Wisconsin goes 13-0, and the Big Ten's not even in the conversation, then I'm still not sure they are. And I think... We are. I think having Georgia be number one, John, psychologically makes it easier to put two SEC teams in than if Alabama had been number one the whole time and then they beat Georgia. Having Georgia number one for multiple weeks and then having them, if they lose to Alabama at the end, don't you think psychologically it's just easier to message you gave the number one team. You thought so highly of them. They lost one game. Don't you, do you see what I'm trying to say? Right, Don't right. you think that makes it easier to make yeah. that case? Yeah, I can see that for sure. I can see that for sure. All right, that'll do it for this installment of the HN Podcast. Steve and I will be back on Friday with our predictions for this coming weekend's game. Thank you to Heartland Flag Poles and Flags as well as Exile Brewing Company for their support. And as always, thank you for listening.